To learn more about The Church at West Gant, visit us at www.thechurchatwg.com or visit our Facebook page, and we would love to connect with you. Have a great day. Our kiddos are going to head upstairs at this point and enjoy a lesson together. And uh, for all of you adult children in the room, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7 today. Matthew chapter 7, and we are looking at, get this, you ready? One verse. That's right, one verse, and that's scary because everybody hears that, uh, and they immediately think we're getting out of here early. No, no, no. There's lots of information packed into one verse this morning, and I apologize, I left something in my bag I need. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, if you want to find your way there. All right, we have been in the midst of a long series on the Sermon on the Mount. We are coming to a close. We have just a couple weeks left. Um, And this week, we are uh, shifting focus a little bit in this sermon uh, as Jesus is presenting uh, some information about his kingdom uh, to his disciples who are following him at this point. And he sits on a mountainside and he proclaims to them, Uh, what his kingdom is going to look like and what it looks like for people who are following him uh, to live in obedience. And last week, uh, we hit this idea of asking and seeking and knocking, uh, this idea that if we are to be people of true righteousness, uh, if we are to live the way God desires us to live, then we have to consistently and persistently go to him in prayer. And we have to ask for those things. We have to seek after him. We have to knock And the promise is sure that if we ask, seek, and knock, God will respond. But this morning, we're going to shift our focus a little bit from God interacting with us to us interacting with others. And uh, we are looking at what should be a principle that you learned probably at a very young age. It may have happened on some steps like this when, uh, when, when preachers like my father used to do, uh, instead of sending the children up, they used to do a children's message down here. Uh, many of you will probably remember those days where a pastor would sit here on this step and say, come on up, children, come on up. Or he may have them sit on the steps and he would kneel down here and, and he would share with them some truth about God's word on a, on a child's level. Uh, Or maybe you learned this uh, maybe in Sunday school or maybe at a vacation Bible school at some point, or maybe and hopefully you learned this in your home by your mom and your dad or whoever it was that raised you. If they raised you right, they should have taught you the golden rule, the rule that teaches us how to interact biblically with other people. And a lot of times we limit this rule uh, to children's classrooms and conversations with young kids. But this morning, I want to take that message, I want to take that verse, and I want to look at what that looks like in the lives of us as adults. How does the golden rule apply to us as followers of Jesus? Because here's the thing, Jesus stands on a mountainside and and he proclaims these words to a group of disciples. And yes, there may have been and probably were some children present somewhere, but he directed this word, this message to a group of adults. And so before we look at this passage and go, ah, that's for kids, pause for a moment and remember who Jesus was speaking to. He wasn't speaking directly to nine-year-olds or six-year-olds. He was talking to a group of adult men, adult women, 
who were following him, people who had laid their nets aside, left their jobs behind, their careers and their families to follow Jesus. And so this isn't just some children's story. This isn't just some principle for six-year-olds. This is a principle for us today as adult believers, uh, mature believers who've maybe been following Jesus for a long time. So let's read our one verse today and then we're gonna dive right in. Matthew chapter seven, looking at verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets, the golden rule. Let's pray over the reading of God's word. Father, we thank you for your message to us today, God. We thank you that you do not leave us unaware or unable to follow you. But Father, you have given us direct teaching You have given us your words to faithfully look at and to follow. And so this morning, God, we ask that you would show us what it looks like to be a people who live by the golden rule. God, would you show us what it looks like to go beyond just elementary understanding of this passage and apply it to every aspect of our lives, every relationship that we have, every friendship, every marriage, every parent, uh, uh, parent-child relationship, every work relationship. God, show us what it looks like to live out the golden rule in our lives. And God, as we study it today, may we become more like the people of God that you desire us to be. Father, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name that we pray, amen. I'll be honest, as I studied this passage, uh, we again outlined the Sermon on the Mount uh, months ago as we began to prepare for this sermon series, and uh, we designated what Sundays we were going to preach what and who was going to preach what between Wes and Will and myself, and um, I I knew that this was going to be a challenging one, only one verse of Scripture to go off of. What do you do with that? And so I began to pray over that passage and I began to soak in as much as I could from commentaries and guys who've studied this way longer than I have. I went and listened to messages from preachers and pastors of years past and what they had to say about it. And and man, but what really stuck out beyond all of the teaching and all of the videos and all of these things that I could have gleaned from was simply just the words that are right here on this page. And, And here's how. I always remember teaching this to my kids. My oldest son is 11. He's about to turn 12. Uh, Rosie's uh, uh, nine, about said seven. Uh, She is nine, about to turn 10. And Zeke is six, gonna be seven in November. My kids are growing up. But, but even in the midst of those 11 years or so that I've been a dad, I, I've had an opportunity to teach this lesson, this golden rule to my children. And, and so I went back to those thoughts in my mind and uh, was, was thinking about how I taught that to them. But as I read the words of this passage, I realized something that changed the way I look at this golden rule. More often than not, when I present this to my children, I present it in a circumstance that is negative, Gavin hits his sister. Gavin, treat others the way you want to be treated. Would you want your sister hitting you? No, then don't hit your sister, right? Rosie takes one of her brother's toys. Rosie, treat others the way you would want to be treated, right? Would you want them taking your toys? No, then don't take your brother's toys. Leave them alone. Right? We teach this in a very negative light a lot of times with children. It is a, a negative command that we present to them. Don't do that to people because that's not the way you would want to be treated. And, and so we ingrain that in our hearts and our minds, and that was ingrained in me as I think about that rule. More often than not, what comes to mind are very negative examples, things of that I look at and I go, well, I shouldn't do that because I wouldn't want somebody doing that same thing to me. 
But that's not how Jesus actually presents this rule in the original language or in the English translations that we have here on this page. Let's read it again. Let's start at the beginning. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, not what you wish they wouldn't do to you, not the things that you wish they would avoid doing to you, but there is a proactive, positive piece to this. There is this mindset that, hey, if we're gonna live relationally well with people around us, if we're gonna love people the way God desires us to love people in his kingdom, there is a positive spin on this thing that Jesus puts on it, and he stands on this mountainside talking to his disciples, and he says to them, hey, how would you like to be treated? What are the great things you wish people would do for you? Not the terrible things you wish people would avoid, but the positive things, the things that you wish people would proactively pursue with you. And so as I studied this passage, that resonated so strongly with me because all too often I teach that to my children in a negative light. Don't hit your brother. Don't take your sister's stuff. Like, quit poking them. Quit looking in their direction. How would you like others to treat you? Stop. But in reality, the message that Jesus is giving to his disciples on that day and the message that he gives to us about the relationships that we have in our lives today, Jesus proclaims to us, he says, hey, you need to look for the positive things that you wish people would do for you. So I want you to just pause for just a moment. And I want you to think about the last seven days of your life. It's always just a good practical tool to go to. What are the things that you experienced in the last seven days that you wish someone would have done differently for you? What are the, the, the um, conversations that you wish someone would have had with you? What are the, the relationships that maybe it would have looked like as a neighbor? Like, what do you wish your neighbor would do for you? What, is, what do you wish your boss at work would do for you? What do you wish your employees would do for you? The kind of recognition or the respect that you think they should offer. What are the things that you desire out of the relationships? What do you wish your children would say to you or the way that they would interact with you? Because whatever the answer to that question is, whatever you wish or desire that these people would do for you, Jesus teaches us that we need to first apply that to our own lives and our own walks, and we need to do that for others. And so here is the, the crazy part about this. I started thinking about all of these relationships that I have. And, and as I read through one of these commentaries, one of the commentators brought this, this piece out, and I went, ooh, that hurts. That hurts so bad. He said this, he said, what, how do you want your children, how do you wish your children would treat you? Because that is the same way that you need to treat your parents. Now, as an adult in my 30s, coming up on 40s, don't tell anybody. As an adult in my 30s, how I treat my parents all too often does not reflect how I desire my kids would treat me. Because I would want my kids at this age, I would want my children to, to call me and reach out to me. I would want my, my children to just show up randomly at my house and check in. I would want them to come to me about all the tough things that they're dealing with and the, the challenging things in their lives. And I would desire that for them. But, but then in my 30s now, looking at my relationship with my parents, all too often there are other people who fill those gaps for me besides calling my mom or my dad. 
And I struggled with that this week. I wrestled with that this week going, man, if I desire my kids to treat me this way, I have to be that going the other direction too. I have to be that kind of child to my parents, but it's so much deeper than that. It's more than just parents and kids. It's boss and employees. If you want your employees to be respectful or to look up to you or to uh, do what you've asked them to do, then, then we have to be the type of bosses or managers or overseers that do that for our bosses. We have to be the people who show respect and lead well and love well and do the things that we've been asked to do. It is a positive peace. It's not just avoiding being a bad parent or a bad child. It's not just avoiding being a bad employee or a bad boss or a bad neighbor or a bad church member or a bad whatever. It's not just avoiding the wrong things, but it is looking at it and going, what do I wish, what do I desire this relationship to look like? I have to be that person. Here's where that just really, the rubber meets the road. I hear a lot of times from people this statement, and this is where the golden rule gets real applicable to us as adults. I wish I had deeper relationships with people. I wish people would, would just engage with me more. Okay? Then you have to be the kind of person who engages more with people. You have to be the kind of person who goes into deep relationships and, and, and presents yourself as vulnerable to other people. You have to, to live a life of sacrifice for people. You have to live for them as you would desire them to live for you. Now, this gets really hard because for us, the expectation is, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Many of us have tried that before. We have done the positive for people, and they didn't return the favor. And so we look to the golden rule, and we go, Psh, never doing that again. I put myself out there for people, and I, I tried to have deep relationships. I, I tried to have good friends around me. I, I tried to invest in these relationships, and I got burned. And so I'm never going to do that again, which brings me to point two. Not only is the golden rule something that is something to be viewed from a positive light, but it's also something to be viewed from a proactive light. Jesus stands before his disciples, and he says to them, listen, you've got to be the initiator. You've got to be the one who puts it out there and risks it. And sometimes we're gonna get burned by that. We live in a fallen and sinful world, y'all. We live around fallen and sinful people. We are fallen and sinful people. And so when we put ourselves out there to a group of people who are wounded and hurt, we can expect that we are going to get wounded and we are going to get hurt, but that doesn't change the command of Christ in this moment. He says to us, hey, put yourself out there and treat people the way you wish you would be treated. And he doesn't put a condition on the end of that. He doesn't say, hey, treat people the way you wanna be treated as long as they do the same thing for you. He doesn't say, hey, treat people the way you wanna be treated as long as you have a fair boss at work who treats you the, the way that you wanna be treated. He doesn't say, hey, treat people the way you wanna be treated as long as your neighbor is respectful and stays on their side of the fence line. Hey, treat people the way you want to be treated unless you have that child who's just crazy and, and then it's just whatever, like, don't, don't worry about it. No, there is no condition at the end of this command. 
The command is simply treat others the way that you wish you would be treated. Point blank. No if, thens, or buts about it. And so if we are going to be the people of God that he desires us to be, we live a life of risk. We live a life of risk relationally with people going back to our core values that are posted here on the door. Core value, I think it's number two, if I remember correctly, is to live relationally. Yep, number two, I got it right. Live relationally. And that inherently will have risk. That will always carry with it some amount of putting yourself out there without knowing whether or not the person you're putting it out there for is gonna reciprocate that or not. And that's scary. That's scary for a lot of us because we've been so hurt, we've been so wounded, we've been so damaged in past in relationships, and, and man, that is difficult to get through and to push through because we go, Chris, you don't know what that person did to me. Chris, you don't know how that relationship ended. Great, that's, I, I understand, I get it, but that relationship and how that relationship went should not and cannot define how you move forward in more relationships looking towards the future. We have to look at each relationship as something new and fresh and something that God desires us to do and no matter what anyone else does, we have to be the people of God he desires us to be. Will was teaching our students a few weeks ago and he said something, uh, I think I mentioned it a couple weeks ago too, but Will said this to our students. He said, um, your sin, and Will, you'll have to correct me if I quote you wrong on this, but he said, your sin or someone else's sin does not allow you or give you permission to be a sinner. Is that right, Will? Sweet. <laughs> Your sin, or someone else's sin, rather, does not give you permission to be a sinner. So here's what that looks like in terms of the golden rule. We put ourselves out there. We love someone. We, we do for them what we wish others would do for us. They wound us. That's their sin. They wound us. That's their problem. That's something they need to bring to the altar and they need to deal with. Where it becomes our sin is where we allow that broken relationship to dictate what the next relationship is gonna look like. That becomes a sin in our lives. And we have to be very careful to be a people who cry out to God and go, God, I'm hurt, I'm wounded. That's what this altar is for. That's what a church body is for, that we come before each other and we say, hey, I'm hurting, I need prayer. It's more than just, hey, I'm in the hospital, but relationally, I'm hurt, I'm damaged, I'm broken, and I need some help to navigate that because I don't want the next relationship to look that same way. And I don't want a root of bitterness to drive so deep down into my life that I can't live relationally with the next person. See, the golden rule is so much more than a six-year-old don't hit your sister statement. It's how we navigate every relationship that we have. And it becomes so deep because so many of us walk around with wounded hearts and wounded lives and unintentionally we wound more people because we refused to follow the golden rule. We become a people who are shut off. We become a cold and distant people. We become a people who lose more relationships because we can't figure out how to put ourselves back out there again. Jesus says, don't treat people the way you've been treated. He says, you need to treat people the way you desire to be treated. It's a proactive piece. 
We need to look for opportunities to do that. And here's what's true about being proactive. Proactive, man, uh, it involves looking intentionally. I learned this as I worked at Chick-fil-A and, and several other businesses, but Chick-fil-A specifically as I ran uh, uh, with a team in Virginia, uh, this Chick-fil-A um, for five years. Uh, I learned very quickly the difference between proactive and reactive stuff. Here's what a reactive manager does. A reactive manager shows up for his shift, clocks in, looks at the schedule of people that he's got or she's got, tries to fit them into places and put them in their roles, and then stands back and watches and waits for something to go wrong. And then they react when something does go wrong, and they fix and they fix and they fix, and they will spend their entire eight, 10, or 12-hour shift fixing problems as they arise, and they will always feel like they're behind because they're constantly reacting to whatever it is that comes up. A proactive manager, on the other hand, will show up to their shift and clock in already knowing who's on their schedule, already knowing the positions that they're gonna place them in, and already knowing what catering orders are going out that day and, and what the major issues are gonna be and, and what time you're gonna send people on breaks to avoid dinner rush and, and all these things. Like you have a proactive mindset that has already looked at the shift long before you ever got there. And we understand that in business terms. We miss it in relationships. We react way more than we plan relationally as a body. We react when somebody said something we didn't like. Somebody did something to us that we didn't appreciate. And so we react and we respond in the moment because we're, we're not prepared to handle that. We, we respond out of anger or bitterness because we weren't ready that day to, to maintain who we know we need to be. And, and so when somebody said something that triggered us, we just, we respond and we react. But what would happen if we as a body of believers took this statement from Jesus very seriously and began to become proactive every single day with every relationship we have to say, today, I'm gonna walk into the next 24 hours proactively thinking through what I'm gonna do for other people and I'm gonna understand that I'm not expecting anything to be returned to me. And if they say something to me, I am proactively prepared. I have prayed over it and I have guarded my heart against the fact that someone is gonna respond to me in a way that I don't appreciate, but I have prayed over that and I have protected my heart and I have walked into this situation knowing that that's a possibility and refusing to give Satan even an inch in our lives. I will not respond the way that I want to, but instead I will react in love and I will continue to do the things that I wish others would do for me. If we treated our relationships that way, how would that shift things? If we treated our relationships with our children and grandchildren that way, how would that change how we parent and how we invest in the next generation? Not just looking forward to a sleepover with our grandkids, but proactively thinking about what are the things I'm gonna invest in my grandchild this weekend? What if we looked at that to our own children and went, hey, if I, if I wanna be, uh, if I wanna have kids one day who invest in me this way, today I've gotta invest this into my kids. What if we begin to shift focus like that? What if we begin to do that within our own church body, walking in every Sunday going, somebody's gonna say something to me today that hurts my feelings. Y'all, I have a list a mile long of things that have been said to me in 15, 20 years of, of working in the ministry that have hurt my feelings but I told Wes, we were talking the other night, Thursday night, we meet uh, when we can. We gather together Thursday night and we're praying a little bit and talking through his role and what's going on here at the church and whatnot. And, 
we were talking about Antonio. And we were talking about how Antonio is one of the most relational people I've ever met in my life. And Antonio is really good at grieving and being there in the moment with somebody. I watched it several weeks ago with the death of these two young boys, but there was also a circumstance that arose in somebody else's life earlier this week. And Wednesday night, somebody from this service went to Antonio and said, hey, I'm dealing with this, I'm struggling with this. And Antonio cried with them out here in our parking lot. Just grieved with them. And this person came to me and they said, man, this is just, it's amazing to me how that just radically changed everything that there was a pastor who would sit out in the parking lot with me and just cry over it. They weren't trying to offer me advice. They weren't quoting scripture at me. They just were there in the moment and, and cried with me. And I looked at Wes and I said, Wes, I said, we've got to learn how to be those kind of pastors. And I said, there was about three or four weeks ago that I sat in this sanctuary and, and I was sitting over here on this side and um, y'all didn't know it, but I had turned around and just kind of looked at everybody and God broke my heart in that moment for you, for the people sitting in this room and just sitting over here in this corner in this moment, the golden rule just washed over me and I went, man, God, if, if I want these people to follow you and if I want them to love you with all that they've got, then I have to be a person that follows you and loves you with all that I've got. And if I wanna be the type of pastor who lets stuff roll off my shoulder and when things get said to me that aren't kind, to be the kind of pastor who just brushes that off and pushes forward, then I've got to be that kind of person for somebody else. I got to teach them to be that. I got to, I got to be okay with the fact that I'm going to get wounded sometimes, and there's going to be moments where somebody says something that's just hurtful and negative, and I got to be the kind of guy that just says, hey, I'm going to push that to the side because I know God has called me to love you. And so say what you want to. <laughs> I'm here for you. Say what you want to, I will love you through every circumstance you face. Say what you want to, I will follow God wholeheartedly, and that means shepherding a group of people that God has placed in my care and loving them well. And that's difficult, y'all. That's hard. But it's the golden rule. God says we have to be proactive in that, and that includes walking into sanctuaries and looking around at one another and going, you know what? Probably somebody's gonna say something today that hurts my feelings, but I'm not gonna take that as an offense and walk away from the church. I'm gonna be the kind of person who hears that and receives that, lets it roll off my shoulder and continues to love that person well because that's what I would want somebody to do for me if I said something that offended them. We gotta be those kind of people. We gotta proactively guard our hearts. But it's not just this positive uh, seeking opportunities. It's not just a proactive mindset of guarding our hearts and being prepared. It's also this idea that when Jesus gives this rule, it's very impartial. Again, no condition given on this verse. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. There is no, well, if they look like you, think like you, dress like you, live in the same community as you, make the same amount of money as you, invest it the same way as you do. There is no condition on this verse. It is simply a command to all believers everywhere to treat all people everywhere the way that we desire to be treated. So this morning, as you think through the golden rule, as you think about what God has done in your life, as you think about the last seven days of your life and all the relationships you've been in, the conversations that you've had, have you lived out the golden rule? 
Have you approached it from a positive standpoint? Have you looked at it and gone, I I want to bless people around me, not just avoid hurting them? Have you looked at it through a proactive mindset? Have you said, hey, I'm gonna plan and prepare for how I'm going to bless the people around me this week? And have you done that impartially? Prepared that God may call you to love somebody who's very difficult to love or maybe just very different than you. Jesus declares this to his disciples that if they're gonna follow him, if they're gonna be a part of his kingdom work, this is how they are to live relationally. So this morning, maybe this past seven days didn't go so good for you. But the next question is, what are the next seven days gonna look like? What's Monday morning gonna look like for you? What phone calls do you need to make? Text messages do you need to send? Who do you need to schedule a a coffee appointment with this week? Whose door do you need to go knock on? To where you can treat them the way that you wanna be treated proactively and impartially. Who does it need to be? Maybe this morning as we wrap up our time, maybe there's a relationship that you've broken and maybe you've just failed miserably at everything that I've just said with somebody. Maybe you've, you've had a name in your mind and your heart this entire time. You've been listening to me talk and you've been going, dude, I failed at the golden rule with blank fill in the name. I have messed it up miserably. Guess what? It's okay. God can redeem that too, but man, maybe we need to come to this altar and we need to ask God to forgive us first and foremost for our sin. And then maybe we need to ask God for the confidence and the boldness to go fix whatever it is we broke. And maybe we need to ask his spirit to go before us to fight that battle for us as we sang about earlier so that we can see a victory. I'm gonna open up the altar here in just a second as we sing our last song. I wanna invite you that if you need to deal with something like that, I'm gonna stand over here on the Oregon side this morning. If you need to pray with me, that's where I'll be. Excuse me, these steps are open and available for you. If you need to just deal with God in this moment, maybe God has laid a name on your heart that you you need to pray over. Or maybe God's laid a name on your heart of somebody that it's not that you've done them wrong, but, but maybe you just haven't been proactive enough and this week you wanna commit to being that proactive believer. Maybe you need to come and ask God to just bless you in that process. Whatever it is you need to deal with, this altar is gonna be open for you. And I'll pray over you and ask God to, to send a spirit and I'll ask you to just walk in obedience as he comes. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning and the opportunity that we've had to study your word. God, I thank you for the challenge of the golden rule, that it is so much more than a a statement given to six-year-olds, but God, it is something that applies to every believer in this room, that we have to be a people, uh, God, who are uh, proactive and positive and impartial in how we apply this rule to our lives. Because God, if we don't, if we fall short in that, God, we are living in sin, and we need to deal with that, God. We need to come before you this morning, confess that, Father, at your feet. We need to ask for your forgiveness, and we need to walk out of this room more prepared and ready and equipped to be the people of God that you desire us to be. So God, I pray for those who are in the room this morning, including myself, God, if there is anybody in this room who has a relationship in their life that they know they have messed up with, that they know that golden rule has not applied to, 
God, I pray that this morning you would lay that name on their heart and you would convict them of that, Father. I pray that your spirit would do its job in their minds and in their hearts, that he would point to them, that he would point to the issue, that he would uh, stir in them to the point where they can't white-knuckle the back of the pew anymore, Father, but they have to let go and they have to come forward and they have to deal with whatever it is that they've been struggling with. And God, I pray that through that, we would see true relationships blossom, Father. I pray that through the work of these believers in this room who commit to living the golden rule out, God, I pray that these relationships they've struggled with would be restored. I pray that through that, Father, the gospel would be presented. I pray that through that, the blood of Jesus would be applied to a life who, Father, has refused it because of a broken relationship. I pray, Father, that you would use this moment to advance your kingdom forward. Father, if there's anybody in the room this morning, God, who's just praying and going, I don't know that I can. I don't know that I can let go of the bitterness. I don't know that I can let go of the anger. I don't know that I can move forward in relationships and be proactive and positive and impartial because of past relationships. God, I pray that you would break that root of bitterness out of their life this morning. I pray you would uproot it. God, I pray that you would dig deep into their lives and that you would take care of whatever it is that has deeply seeded itself in them. God, that they would find grace at the foot of the cross this morning. That they would find truth and redemption and restoration. That they would find exactly what it is they need and are looking for this morning. And God, that through that, through that, their future relationships, the next person that they have to open up to, the next person they apply the golden rule to, Father, that that relationship would flourish. That that relationship would honor you and glorify you. God, work in us and through us in this moment. We love you, and we praise you for all that you're gonna do. It's in your name that we pray.